All right, the Lord is good. I say the Lord is good. You believe you give me an amen? Amen. Let's be quick about this. Let's open our Bibles quickly. We are going to take a declaration of God's glory. And then we will go into our school of prayer teaching for today. Uh, The book of um, Psalms, Psalm 24. I want to, well, this is going to be our text of scripture for our teaching today, but let's also use it for our declaration. But let's just read Psalm 24. If you are there, say amen. Amen. Now, let me confess to you what I'm looking for is not exactly that, but I think I, I made a small slip on that, but I will, I'll find it in a moment. But this is good. Let's use this one for this, all right? Again, let's read from the bottom of our hearts, all right? One, two, let's go. And all it contains, the world and those who dwell in it. For he has founded it upon the seas and established it upon the rivers, who may ascend into the hill of the Lord and who may stand in his holy place. He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who has not lifted up his soul to falsehood and has not sworn deceitfully, he shall receive a blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. This is a generation of those who seek him, who seek your face, even Jacob. Verse 7, Lift up your heads, O gates, and be lifted up, O ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is the King of glory? The Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O gates, and be lifted them up, O ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord of hosts is the King of glory. Amen. Amen. Now we declare that Jesus is the King of glory. Amen. Say amen. No. Amen. I have more spiritual people on this side. Apostle, do you notice? Uh-huh, you notice too. Everybody here, please wake up from your slumber. Amen. Amen. All right. All right. Okay. Now, everybody on this side, you are very spiritual. Amen. amen. Let's help these people. Let's help us become warm. Amen. Now we declare only from this side. Do I want the response? We declare that Jesus is the King of Glory. Amen. <laughs> this was so spiritual, you couldn't even wait to join. Now all of us, let's declare together, Jesus is the King of Glory. Amen. Everybody say after me, Jesus, Jesus is, the is the King of Glory. And he will reign forever and ever. Say, so we, we speak to Nigeria. Lift up your heads, O gates. And be lifted up. O ancient doors, let Jesus come in. Who is the King of Glory? Jesus is the King of Glory. Is the Lord strong and mighty? Is the Lord mighty in battle? He is the one who died and rose again. He is the King of Glory. We speak to the gates of this nation. Be lifted up. Ancient doors. Be lifted, be lifted up. Jesus is coming in. Jesus is riding in. Say, ride Jesus ride. Into this nation. Ride. Into this state. Ride. Into this city. Ride. Be magnified. Be lifted up. Let the whole world see you, Lord. In the name of Jesus Christ. We declare. 
said, we declare. He died and rose again. And is alive forevermore. If you believe that, give me an amen. Amen. All right, the Lord is good. Let's take our declaration of understanding. Then we'll sit down and start teaching. One, two, let's go. And the Lord has given me the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. And I've been filled with the knowledge of his will. In all spiritual wisdom and understanding. As a result of this, I'm walking in a manner worthy of the Lord. I'm pleasing him in all respects. I'm bearing fruit in every good work. And I'm increasing in the knowledge of God. Now again, I incline my ears to his word. The word is entering my heart. It is giving me light and direction. It is healing me in every area. And it's making me more and more like the Lord Jesus. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 I said amen. Amen. The word is coming forth to you again today in Jesus' name. Amen. Believe me, it's scattering every confusion. Amen. Some people make some decisions. You wonder, what did they smoke? Have you ever noticed that? They'll make some decisions. I was talking to one of our bros the other day. <laughs> and he told me what a relative was doing. I said, who told him to do that? You'll just be amazed. A man will take 2 plus 2 plus 2 is equal to 18. Ah, say, how did you manage? Such confusion in your life is to be dissolved again today. Amen. You will make the decisions that are right for your destiny. Amen. This word will come and set you on the right path. Amen. This word will come and tell you what is right to do. Amen. We banish every darkness, Amen. every confusion, Amen. every trouble of mind Amen. out of your life in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. And every disease, every affliction, they are gone in Jesus' name. Amen. We speak against even what they call diseases of old age. Amen. They will not stay in your body in the name of Jesus. Amen. Old age is not a disease. Amen. It is not an affliction. Is a blessing. Receive your blessing in Jesus' name. Amen. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead will give life to your mortal body. Amen. That same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead will give life to your mortal body in the Amen. name of Jesus. If they say your eyes are getting weak, we command it to become strong again in Jesus' Amen. name. If they say your pancreas is not working well, we speak healing to it in the name of Jesus. Amen. In the name of Jesus, we banish diabetes. Amen. In the name of Jesus, we curse cancer from his root. Amen. In the name of Jesus, we speak to that heart, be strong again. Amen. In the name of Jesus, we speak to those kidneys, wake up. Amen. Wake up. Amen. Wake up. Amen. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. We speak to those nerves, receive strength. Amen. Receive regeneration. Be whole again. Jesus, be glorified in your life. In the name of Jesus Christ. Father, we thank you. It's a beautiful day again today. In Jesus' name we have prayed. All right, let's take our seats. The Lord is good. Even though I did not announce it, so last um, Tuesday, we began to... We actually changed gears slightly in our series of teaching. We've been talking about the kingdom of God and the glory of Christ. Once in a while, we just switch our gear. We are still doing the same thing, actually, the same spirit, just that, you know, we just change gear slightly and give it another title before they say, this, this man, this series are like 27 messages, 30 messages. Is that not what Pastor Jackson was saying? 
Ah, he said, ah, ah. Okay, good. That this is encouraging. <laughs> so we're just switching gears slightly. And I began that last Tuesday. I knew I was doing that, but I didn't feel confident enough to say it. And then now I have a title for it. And the title is The God of the Nations. That's what we began to talk about last time. The God of the Nations. Is a God of the Nations. Somebody say amen. Amen. Is a God of the Nations. Yeah, that's what he is. That's who he is. The nations are not, um, they are not chance occurrences before him. Each one of them is created for a purpose. Each one has a reason why he created it, why he started it. There are two ways to look at nations. Nations sometimes refer to, um, let me use the word, tribes of people. For example, Israel was a nation. They were all descendants of one man. Do you understand? Jacob. All right, but there are times that he doesn't seem to lay emphasis on whose descendants, who um, the people were, who are the Romans. Are you getting my point? They're a mixture of all kinds of people. Take America today. It's a mixture of all kinds of people. They're just about 60-something percent white, and they are white from every corner of the world. Then the rest of them, later on that 40 percent, they are about 15% are about are black, some are Asian, some are what they call Latinos, you know, all kinds of um, groups of people that, all right, that are mixed up together. And God actually has a word for each nation, whichever way you describe it. The first one I mentioned, and the second one about aggregation of people within a geographical um, district. And each one has a purpose. Each one has a purpose. There is none that is there by chance. There is none that came upon him and he just discovered that, ah, what are people doing here? <laughs> no. He, he, you know, take a, a, something like the Philistines. You know, the Philistines are not part of the Hittites, Amorites, Jebusites. No, they are not. They came around the same time the Israelites arrived from Egypt. They came from, is it Kaftor they called it? And God planted them for a reason to be an irritation to the body <laughs> of the Israelites. So they, they just remain there. They're not all those Hittites, Hivites, you know, Amorites. Those are not Philistines. They're totally different race of people. Just like Israel essentially migrated from Egypt to that promised land after having been in Egypt for a very long time, the Philistines also came. And it was God that called them also and said, come over here. Bear that in mind. Okay? That's just the way it works. All right? So God has control of all those things. And there's a particular um, scripture uh, I wanted to read earlier, but it's Psalm 22. We declare from 24. But in, in, in verse 20, in chapter 22, the book of Psalms. Let me just read from um, New American Standard also. From verse 20. I uh, just caught some. Okay, let's start from 22. My Bible has a break there. Well, I'm going down to 28. It said, I will tell of your name to my brethren. That's Psalm 22 from verse 22. In the midst of the assembly, I will praise you. You who fear the Lord, praise him. All you descendants of Jacob, glorify him. And stand in awe of him, all you descendants of Israel. For he has not despised nor abhorred the affliction of the afflicted, nor has he hidden his face from him. But when he cried to him for help, he heard. 
From you comes my praise in the great assembly. I shall pay my vows before those who fear him. The afflicted will eat and be satisfied. Those who seek him will praise the Lord. Let your heart live forever. All the ends of the earth will remember and turn to the Lord. Please notice that. All the ends of the earth will remember and turn to the Lord. And all the families of the nations will worship before him. Please notice that. All the families of the nations will worship before him. For the kingdom is the Lord's and he rules over the nations. King James is so poetic here. He says the governor among the nations. He says in verse 29, all the prosperous of the earth will eat and worship. All those who go down to the dust will bow before him. Even he who cannot keep his soul alive, all of them, he said, they will bow before him. Posterity will serve him. It will be told of the Lord to the coming generation. They will come and declare his righteousness to a people who will be born that he has performed it. Now, I want you to notice this. This is a psalm declaring the greatness of God. And I read this just to bring out the emphasis in verse 28. I wanted to emphasize verse 28. It said, for the kingdom is the Lord's and is a governor among the nations. That's using the King James English. The kingdom is the Lord's and he rules over the nations. And you see, he has a purpose, I was saying, for every nation. And you must understand something. I said it last time. Let me start it again as a form of review of what we're saying. And as a school of prayer, I know, but I want us to know how to pray concerning nations. I want us to know how to pray concerning our environment. You must understand that God gives ownership to people on the earth. When he made Adam and Eve, the Bible says that he planted a garden eastward in Eden. And there he planted the man, that he kept the man that he had made. And he said to the man to guard it and keep it. He gave him ownership over it. He gave him authority over it. And he explained to him, in effect, whatever will happen here will be a result of your own activity. He was supposed to guard and keep. Please, I hope you're getting my point here. All right? So not, things are not supposed to happen there by chance. They're not supposed to be random. It was Adam that was given the responsibility. And that's how this earth also is till now. You know, there's one portion we read. I think we should read it again. It's just good to do some Bible reading. Actually, our Tuesdays also used to double our, as our school of Bible exegesis. Remember that. Quickly, let's go to the book of Deuteronomy again. All right, chapter 32 from verse um, 7. It said, remember the days of old. Consider the years of all generations. Ask your father and he will inform you. Your elders and they will tell you. When the Most High gave the nations their inheritance, notice it again. He was the one that gave the nations their inheritance. That's why we call him the God of the nations. When he gave the nations their inheritance, when he separated the sons of man, he set the boundaries of the peoples according to the number of the sons of Israel. For the Lord's portion is his people. Jacob is the allotment of his inheritance. What I'm about to say, I said it last time, but I, I just can't say it enough. Again, one of the reasons you find me repeating myself again and again, I was just trying to uh, get in our messages for last Tuesday and last Saturday ready. And I found out that I repeated <laughs> so many things, and I didn't know, in all honesty. When I was saying it the second time, I did not have any idea I said it the first time. So just I said, hey, Banky, broken record. 
You're just saying the same thing again and again. I am not ashamed of the gospel. I will say, I will, me? Just wait, come next week. I will say it again. <laughs> but one of the reasons why we have to keep saying these things, they say that repetition is the mother of lasting impression. All right? I think it's a Chinese proverb or something. Okay? So, and you know, in fact, where there is no res- repetition, Ken Hagen said the Lord told him, or one of those ministers said, the people are not established. Where there's no repetition, the people are not established. I teach students, and oh my God, <laughs> you, you, <laughs> you have to repeat. The ability of adults not to get you is legendary. <laughs> the ability not to understand you. So you keep saying it again and again and again. Just by the way, anyway, let me not go into that. I wanted to say about why God gave us songs, all right, and lyrics. Okay, let me say it. That's the reason why God gave us songs and lyrics. So that you'll be forced to remember something, you know, after, it, that is, if I say, tell you, recite Psalm 23, if you recite it five times in a day, you feel like you have done a lot of work. But if there is a song, yes. Yes, you will sing it, sing it, sing it, sing it. You will sing it to, first, if you play 200 times in one day, you have no problem. You will sing it another 200 times in one day. And that way God makes the thing, it makes the thing impress upon your heart. It's impressed upon your heart like that. So what it did, you can get our message titled, The Song of Moses. All right? In fact, that's a portion of where we are reading now. This portion is part of it. It's a song of Moses. God gave the song to Moses. And it was a real song. They were going to compose. And, and they were, see, it was telling them things that had not happened, but that would, that would happen. Telling them how to react to it. Do you get my point? Okay? So that was, by the way, let me not get stuck on that. So, we'll keep repeating these things. And one of the reasons I was saying why we need to is that many times people hear the opposite so much that even when and you think you have explained it, somebody goes out and confuses them. You think you have established truth in people's hearts, they will go out and hear the opposite again. Uh-uh. And you say, my God. Did we not just discuss this one last time? <laughs> well, so that's why we repeat these things again and again. Now, what am I trying to repeat again today? <laughs> one of those things is that, you know, please don't be misguided. I know it's very prominent. It's a prominent teaching in the body of Christ today. And part of the reason is because of those who God gave the leadership in leading the world in Christianity. They are mostly from certain parts of the world. So they keep on teaching some things that are not exactly correct. And you see these days, you see Christians going around carrying um, trumpets made from horn. I don't want to use the proper name so that it looks like we are fighting somebody. If they want to pray in church, they will blow. I hope you are getting my point. They will be blowing things. And I'm not talking about uh, trumpet and uh, saxophone. I mean the one made from ram horn or cow horn or all these ungulates made from the horns of ungulates. And it says that's how they used to pray. One man actually said that um, the language of heaven is Hebrew. I heard, oh, you heard it before? Oh. And I was like, bros, this joke is really going far. <laughs> That when God said, let there be light, he said it in Hebrew. I feel like the man, so? People are very funny. They don't even know that when it comes to passing information, the Greek language is far better. Yeah, the Greek. If, you, if, you know, if you're a Bible scholar. In fact, all you need to do is take the Amplified Bible. See the amplification in New Testament compared to that of the Old. Because the, Hebrew, the Greek is detailed. Detailed. 
Ha, let me not even go into the issue of the grammar in Greek. Detailed. So please, let's not get carried away by those things. So people will tell you, they began to magnify Judaism to an extent that let me say this, and I'm not joking about it, the Lord became displeased. It became displeased. The reason is because, you see, anytime you magnify something, you are displacing something else. Oh, yes, that's a matter of fact. You are magnifying something, you are displacing something else. What they were doing was that they were displacing the knowledge of the finished work of Christ. And it's not a new thing you must understand. In the time of the compilation of the New Testament, that when these men were writing, the problem was already there. Paul got into trouble because of those things. It was so difficult for people to realize that something that lasted a thousand years, two thousand years, three thousand years, four thousand years will come to an end one day. So when it came to an end, they didn't want to accept it. When Jesus said it is finished, he knew what he meant. So these days people will get up and be magnifying Judaism to an extent that they begin, without realizing it in the process, to diminish Christ Jesus. I'll give you an example. Like when I was saying, somebody would say, God has two covenant people on the earth. It is not true. It is absolutely not true. It is absolutely not true. All the promises of God, not some, all the promises of God are confirmed in Christ Jesus. And in Christ Jesus, Paul explained that there is a breaking down of the wall of partitioning. When you come into Christ, Jew and Gentile is no longer recognized. We are all one body. He said there is one body. There is how many bodies? One body. There is one body. There is one body. Let's get it clear. There is one body. Ah, I pray we get it. Most of the teachings, I, I see them broadcast every day. In fact, there are one or two, very, two of them, two very prominent Christian television networks. There are many more prominent Christian TV networks, all right? But two of them, okay? They center the activities around the physical land of Israel and the physical nation, Israel. Two of them. And they make, they don't joke about it. They, they are proud about it. They ask you to support them. And when I get there, I say, this is sad. I'm sorry, the doctrine is inaccurate. Now, what, is, what makes it inaccurate is that they don't have more right to do what they are doing than I have, now listen to me, to stand up and broadcast that God has a special purpose for the nation called Nigeria, or I mean Eastern Nigeria, or for, that God has a special purpose for the people of Eastern Nigeria. They don't have a, they don't have more right to do what they are doing than I have. A man from Saudi Arabia can do the same thing concerning the Saudi Christians. This is listen. This was the problem Paul had. The way many people are reacting to this, who don't agree, is the same way they reacted to Paul. But let me tell you, is the word of God, is the gospel of Christ, the truth. The only thing God is doing is Christ Jesus. Now, please bear that in mind. Now, I wanted to emphasize something, all right? That you know, say, what about the nation of Israel? I said this last time. He has a purpose for everybody. He has a purpose for everybody. The physical nation Israel today has a purpose. I said something last time. Let me repeat it again. If you want to put everybody on a scale, on importance, Jesus is on a scale of his own. I hope you're getting my point. He's on a level of his own. Nobody comes near. There's a next level after that. That is where you have Jews and Gentiles nations gathered. And yes, that is true. There is, all of them are the same. If you go and read your scriptures, the dealing of God, in fact, that's when I realized that some things were recorded for our learning. I explained that the nation of Israel, I found out three reasons, three 
three parts of the purpose of God concerning them. One, to them, through them, he brought Jesus onto the earth. That is a matter of fact. He did. And God is very, very lavish in his spending when he wants to achieve something. You'll be amazed that everything he was doing is coming to one individual. Until today, you'll be surprised. He can raise a whole nation to just get a handful of individuals out. And they will have a history that will span back up to 500, 1,000 years. And it's a handful of individuals he's bringing out. He's been doing it for a very long time. It's not today. He didn't start it today. Okay? So for, for, that's number one, to bring the person of Christ Jesus out. Number two, to them was committed the oracles of God. So even though, you know what they call Oduifa? Those who understand. I'm from Western Nigeria, so I know a bit about that. Even though Oduifa will contain some truths, it does. I cannot quote them for you. I can't. I'm not allowed to. Don't worry, I've never read, read it. But I know. They studied in, in many of the universities in Western Nigeria and abroad, the United States. They study those things. Okay? People sit down and study them. So they contain, it contains a lot of truths. I mean, they, they are, they are, initially they were there by oral tradition for a long time, but men began to write them down. So the far priests were learned people. They did, you hear them, if you watch them in movies, they recite incantations. They were not arbitrary incantations. Just like we have our book of Psalms. They had their own book. Originally, most of it wasn't written, but you went to school and memorized the whole thing. They had each... See, if you want... To, if you want a tree to stop growing, they knew what to tell the tree. If the farm was not producing well, they knew what to tell the farm. And it was not arbitrary. It wasn't arbitrary. They had the right words. They didn't just take the leaves. They would tell the, they, they would tell the leaf to pluck, how to plug it, what to sacrifice, and which words to utter. And believe me, those boys got results. And they all over the world like that. But I'm just referring to that one because... That's my background, so I understand a bit of it. Okay? But you see, some of the things they said, they are true. Very, very true. And some of them, I mean, I heard the story. Um, was Pastor Ntibakai that told the story then? It's actually documented. Okay? Before missionaries came to Egba land, these same Ifa priests told their Oba that they were coming. During their prayers and meditation, the Spirit of God told them that he's going to send them messengers. So they went and warned their Oba ahead of time that the gods or God was sending them messengers and they have been instructed to receive them. And like I say, this is my own understanding of it. it. To me, it's not so... Anyway, let me not go into those details. But that really happened. So God spoke to people. So when you read your Bible, in that Hebrews chapter 1, when it says that God who in long, long ago, in diverse manners, spoke to our fathers through the prophets... You can look at the man writing to the Hebrews, but that statement is worldwide. It covers every aspect of mankind. All right? Diverse ways, diverse manners, he spoke to our fathers through the prophets. It was not only the Jews that had prophets. They had prophets all over the world. And many of them saw things. I was listening to Sadhu Salvaraj, and he said that the three wise men that came to visit Jesus Christ came from India. Now, that's not scripture, but that's what he said. I've heard people try to explain that they were Jews that were in diaspora. You know, they want to Jew, Jew, Jew. As if no other human being existed on this earth. That's what he claimed. And, of course, the Bible supports that it came from far. We know that. Wise men from the east. All right? And 
We don't know how many they were, but these were stargazers. And stargazing for them was not astronomy. It was astrology. Not just looking at stars, uh, Milky Way galaxy. No. They saw the arrangement of the stars and from it decoded what God was saying to them. And for them, through that, they saw a star that told them. In fact, before then, they knew something was happening. And then when the star appeared, they recognized it and followed it. And please, if you look at that on the normal sense sense level, you, you would think that the star was just the... How do I say it now? The normal star that you and I know cannot rest on a place. It's too far away. Some of two things must have happened. Either that the rearrangement of stars and the movement of that particular star, they learned how to plot what it was saying, or a special manifestation happened that what looked like a star moved and stayed, you know, over the place. So don't think they are just nonsensical people. They knew what they were doing. They knew what Jews around did not know. They saw what Pharisees did not see. They saw what Sadducees did not see. What the scribes did not understand. They knew it. They thought the whole nation understood this, so they went to Herod. <laughs> they didn't know Herod. They said, ah, my kingdom is over. And listen to me, people are still having that fear till today. And that same God is still alive. And he will still kill every Herod that tries to prevent the manifestation of Christ. Amen. As a matter of fact. So, back to the main issue. So you find that Israel, God did something. Of all the oracles all over the earth, and all amongst different nations. He took one nation and said, no, give this them to keep the oracles of God that applies to everybody. So John said, behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the whole world. That was part of the oracles of God, kept by the nation of Israel. So now we take the book of Isaiah and we read it closely. We read the book of Psalms, we read closely. We read Jeremiah. In fact, the Lord began to breathe upon that Jeremiah from chapter 1 to chapter 10. I read it here. Different people came and they were preaching about it at the same time. And were pointing out to me what God was saying about this nation from Jeremiah. The oracles of God committed to that nation. And number three. One, to bring forth Jesus Christ. Two, keep the oracles of God. Then three, it left a pattern for us. These things were recorded for our learning. We are upon whom the end of the age has come. So the way God dealt with those people and the nations around them, they were recorded for our learning. Where am I going with all this talk? Why are we doing this series now? For us to understand, you know, I said last time, let's stop. I believe God is raising people who have learned to think beyond themselves. Who have learned to understand that prayer was not given so that they can get more food. They can change their cars. Prayer was not given for them to be able to meet their own personal needs. God is raising people who are the ecclesia of God in every nation. What do you mean by ecclesia? God's body. We use the word church. But I want the emphasis to be on the representative, the representatives of God in each nation. For example, Nigeria operates this uh, kind of democracy we operate so that we have representatives from every um, region in Abuja. They make decisions on our behalf. The assumption is that we elected them. There are how many of them are in national and in, in, in Senate? 
They should be like 36 times 3 plus eh? 109. Uh-huh. Three from each state. Is there anyone from Abuja? One from Abuja. Abuja has a senator. Oh, that's good. So there is 6 times 3 plus the one from Abuja. We are supposed to vote for them locally. Go and speak for us. God is helping Nigeria. Amen. Amen. <laughs> So those are the lawmaking, um, the people are the lawmaking body of Nigeria. They represent the whole, the individuals. In the same manner, God has his representatives in every nation of the earth. Let me say that again. He has his representatives. And actually, they are called the Church of Christ. You know what? They exist in every nation. In any nation where they are not, it appears like they don't exist, they are either in hiding or they are being built. Yes. And the aim of God is to have them in every nation on this earth. Did you read this, Jeremy 32 now? Yes. So he said, he had, what did he do? He cut the nations of this earth according to the number of the sons of Israel. Now, there was a bit of confusion before because when you hear such prophetic words, because a man like them, um, Moses was a prophet. He was not just a prophet to Israel as a, as a nation, the descendants of Jacob. He was a prophet to the whole earth and a prophet to the whole body of Christ. And many of the things that he said, the Bible tells us that he, the spirit of Christ was speaking through him. And even him did not understand what he was saying. And these are things that angels long to look into. So Moses prophesied beyond what he knew he was saying. Did you get my point? Take a man like Nathan. Nathan prophesied to David, and he said to David that God said, your son will build me a house. But Nathan's interpretation and David's interpretation were the same. That Solomon will rise and collect brick and mortar, iron rod, cement, wood, gold, silver, and build a physical house which they expected will endure. But God showed us how much regard he had for that building by breaking it periodically. When they annoy him, he will raise a bird of prey from the east, burn that place on me. What they call holy of holies. A man went in there and nothing happened to him. A man went in there. Uh, what's the name of it? Is it Antiochus Epiphanes, whatever? Sacrificed a pig on the altar. Oh. To the Jew, it was the abomination that makes desolate. Nothing happened. You know why? He cardboarded before them. Did you get my point? The glory left before. You think, uh, who's Antiochus Epiphanes? What is it? God, God said, I can fry him, but you guys should understand that. I'm angry. After Herod tried to rebuild it. Now, Solomon's temple was great. Great. The um, European um, cathedrals of today, those old cathedrals of Europe, say eight of them, eight, could sit on the foundation that Solomon laid. Eight. It was a wonder of, those, of that generation. We know what God did. God made sure we never saw it. He said they see it now. Even the Christians will go there and worship. Break it. When Herod began to build somebody something far less glorious, you see the one the Jews go to go and pray beside, eh? is a foundation 
upon which Herod's temple stood. That's not the wall. When they say wailing wall, it's not a wall. It's, a, it's, 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 the, it's the one side of the foundation. The real temple was on top of it. The real temple, it was so great. Herod's temple, not even Solomon's. And Herod's temple was far less in glory. The, the disciples were looking and said, Jesus, wow, see temple. And Jesus looked at it, shook his head. He said, mark my words. Not one stone will remain on top of another. So that foundation you are seeing, it didn't defeat the words of the Lord Jesus Christ. Not the real temple itself, one stone did not remain on top of another. He caused them to hear a rumor. Ah, the way God works, eh? Not triumph. I, I heard that, I read that the Romans were told that gold was hidden inside the walls. So in looking for gold, they broke all the wall down. Apart from the fact that they had the commandment from Rome to destroy the place. They had more zeal to destroy. Because they said, if we destroy, we'll find something. They didn't find anything, but at least they did the job. They fulfilled the word of the Lord Jesus Christ. What am I going to explain? So you see, Nathan, a prophet, uttered truth, but misinterpreted it. David, a prophet, heard the word of God, had his own inspiration and revelation, uttered it correctly, misinterpreted it. So he prepared physically for Solomon. Nathan encouraged him, and God allowed them. But you know, we found out later that when he said, your son will build me a house, he was not talking about Solomon. He was talking about the son of David. Jesus, that son of David, have mercy on me. That was the person he was talking about. When he said he will build me a house, he was going to build an everlasting house in which we have been built up as living stones. The house that he prophesied concerning was a spiritual house, not a physical house. I hope you're getting my point here. Prophecy is like that. See, we get, see, there's no fulfillment until you get into Christ. When you're out of Christ, you'll be getting all kinds of, under, look, all kinds of interpretation. Some of them will look like it's been fulfilled, though. But the real fulfillment is only when you get into Christ, you'll discover it. What am I saying? So when Moses prophesied, he did not realize that he wasn't prophesying concerning the physical nation of Israel. He was prophesying actually, just like Nathan was, just like David was. Moses also was prophesying concerning the body of Christ. When he uttered those words, when he said, when the Lord, when the Most High gave the nations their inheritance, when he separated the sons of man, he said the boundaries of the peoples according to the number of the sons of Israel. We have come to know that when he talked about the sons of Israel, some will call it replacement theology, but I call it New Testament theology. Because Paul told us by the revelation of God that there is a son, that there is Hagar talking about the, a particular covenant, and that there is Isaac. And he said, peace be upon the Israel of God. And the same Paul said, we are the true circumcision who worship in the spirit and have no confidence in the flesh. So when he ended the book of Galatians, he said, peace be upon the Israel of God. Paul made it clear by revelation. Peter understood it also. That listen, there is the true circumcision and there is the false circumcision. There is Jerusalem from above and there is the Jerusalem on the earth from beneath. There is one that is a descendant, there is a son of promise typed by Isaac. 
And that is Christ Jesus and the church of God. And there is one that is a descendant of the bondwoman whose children are in bondage till today, he says. <laughs> Please, I want to tell my brethren, especially from North America. Please, if you want to be a Christian, be a Christian. Yes, if you want to be a Christian, please be. Accept the truth of Christ. Magnify Jesus alone. So when he says, according to the number of the sons of Israel, I have no doubt in my mind that he was speaking about the remnant, the church of God, the people of Christ on this earth. So he said, when he gave them their inheritance, get it also, is the one that gave the inheritance. There's something I want to just drop briefly. Hmm? Christians, people generally, they read the Bible as if it's theory. If it's happening in their presence, they don't seem to remember. They can't tie it together. What I want to say will sound crazy. But you need to know. No, I have to preach it. We have to understand it. So that you don't think that deliverance is in weapons or in politics. You know the land which you and I today call United States of America, including Canada. People were living there before the white people got there. Today they call them the Native Americans. They used to call them Indians. They are not Indians. They were called Indians because Christopher Columbus missed the, missed the way, he misunderstood the map. When he got there, he thought he was in India. He thought he arrived in India by another angle. So when he saw the people, he said they were Indians. And the name Indians stuck. They were never Indians. They have about five or so major tribes of people living in that land before he arrived. Now, I want to say this. doesn't sound nice. And the Lord dispossessed the inhabitants of the land and gave to the ones just arriving from different places. It's not politically correct. I hope you know. Don't preach this in the United Nations. But we've seen him do it again and again. You know, many of us hear the name the land of Canaan. I would think the, the word Canaan means beautiful. The beautiful land. No. There was a man called Canaan. That land belongs to his descendants. Take a, a church like Winners Chapel. Bishop Wedipo called their main city what? Canaan land. I don't know why he called it. I'm not criticizing. I'm just trying to get it. Maybe, maybe he had the same thing in mind anyway. That I would dispossess the people... That way. <laughs> but many of us just think that Canaan just, maybe if they say you have um, land in uh, Nikkei here now, you now call it Canaan land, thinking that uh, that means there's where blessing is. Just for you to understand, there was a man called Canaan, he had descendants. And Moses explained to us, Moses, when he was teaching, he explained to us that the man annoyed God, and God gave his land to descendants of. What's the name of the first guy? Shem. Canaan was dispossessed and his land was given to some other people. I'm not emphasizing that it's not new. So God also went to that land today you call North America, United States of America, but most of at least US and Canada and said, all right, all right, I will dispossess you people. And then new people will take the land. Is it good? I don't know. I'm just telling you it happened. And it's not the first time such a thing will happen. So if you don't want anybody to collect your land, don't go and buy a gun. Go and pray. 
Did you hear what I said? No matter how much the descendants of Canaan armed themselves, Israel was going to take that land. And if you understand the justice of God, the righteousness of God, if they had repented, he would not have given the land to the Israelites. And he said to the people of Israel, he said, I'm not bringing you in because of your righteousness. I'm taking them out because of their wickedness. In fact, he said to them, you are going to stay in that land of Egypt until the iniquity of the Amorite is full. And if you read um, some, if, if, like this commentary, like, uh, well, I don't know how to pronounce it, I just call it JFB. JFB explained to you that that word Amorite stood not only for the Amorite nation, but for all the nations around who did the similar kinds of iniquity. So God waited for the iniquity to be full. So when you see Israel coming, Israel came to execute the judgment of God against people that offended him. The only way to stop Israel from coming in was not to improve your weapon, you know, armory. It was to go to God, repent of your sins, pray, and they will tell Israel, I'm going to draw a new boundary. You can take here, you can't take there. Except that by the time Israel moved down, it was too late. You gave them years. God is very patient, though. Extremely patient. So patient that some of us don't like it, though. But it's very patient. Please, bear these things in mind. Because what happens is that people will see things happening. They don't interpret or judge what they are seeing from Scripture. The Bible is stories to them. When this thing happens in real life, we can't apply it. We join Nadeko. We join Save Nigeria Group. We join OPC. We join uh, Masob. We join all kinds of things. We won't get, and just by the way, let me say it again. No matter which tribe, you know I said nations, two types. There's tribe, then there's geographical boundary. Okay? No matter which kind of nation you find yourself in and you are listening to me and you are giving your life to Christ, please know your assignment. What did I say? Know your assignment. You are not a politician. Please don't follow some people, though. No matter how nice they see the devil, they're doing poli- politics is not our problem. Yeah. I'm not saying politics does not exist. Politics is level two. The highest level, the third heaven levels, is where we belong as believers. Politics plays out what actually has been determined in the realm of the spirit. So if you want to affect them, stop struggling and flexing muscles and save Nigeria group, new movement. Leave that thing up. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, humble themselves. You know what it means humble, to humble yourself? Stop sitting there like saying that, you see, we deserve to be president. You, are not hum- you have not humbled yourself yet. You are very intelligent. Who are these people who don't even go to school? They are the ones ruling. Because you never jam. You have not yet said, where is God my maker? If my people who are called by my name, we do what? We humble themselves, pray. Next. Turn for their wicked ways. <laughs> How many people have you heard analyze Nigerian problem of today? As a result of wickedness. All our big orgas, all they do is talk politics. Be having meetings at night. On which, which presidential candidate will we support? What forbid I should join that nonsense? Oh, no, no, you must never join such rubbish. 
meet from now to tomorrow. If that counsel is not of the Lord, it will not stand. Oh, that's how it is. I call him the God of the nations. He's a governor amongst the nations. He's a ruler. It is what he says that will come to pass. It's who he personally determines that will rule. See, you can get angry. You'll just be put to shame. Mm. I was saying, God has his own people. In every nation on this earth, he has his own people. He does. And you must know your assignment. We are in Nigeria. I don't know where some other people are joining us from, but those of us who are Nigerians, please listen. Because I'm a Nigerian, my focus will be there. God looks at the nation, Nigeria, which he created by himself, and is looking for his people to do their duty inside that nation. If they are going to pray effectively, they must align with divine purpose. There are principles all over the scriptures. It says that we understand that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. So we should endeavor to ask about his will. It is not wrong for Christians, churches, to declare, okay, we are going on a 40 days prayer and fasting escapade that we might discover what we are supposed to pray concerning the nation. We seem to all have made up our minds based on our reactions. Sometimes you hear when they say Christians are persecuted, when you hear those Christians talk, you want to persecute them. You look and say, I think I should persecute also. Say, but let's gather for persecution, yeah? Persecute each other. Because the way you are going, some of you which are a Christian community, <laughs> they tell a Christian community, go there. They are drunkards. They are adulterous to a bad level. Their own kind of adultery, Muslims don't even do it. And they come and say, we are Christians. So when God sends a plague against them, we'll be making noise. Instead of us to say, where is God my maker? The church or the ecclesia in each nation know your assignment. I say this by the Spirit of God. We have prayed as a population of Christians in the whole nation. Mostly we have prayed wrongly. The prayers have been unanswerable. Some people have gathered now. They are praying already about 2023. Presidential election. And what are they praying? Father, in the spirit of justice and equity, presidency must move to the south. So God says, when did I say so? Are you now the governor amongst the nations or it is me? And who told you it is justice? Who told you it is justice? What is equity in it? Let's be honest, it's desire. Am I saying we shouldn't pray like that? Yes, I'm saying we should not pray like that. (laughs) It's nonsense prayer. It's senseless prayer. It's unanswerable prayer. Let me just leave that one there. I don't see, don't say first of all, if the God revealed to you who will be the next president, go and ask Sadhu Savaraj for such things. I don't. I told you most times in this country, I have voted for the wrong person all the time. That is, revelation of no revelation. When I get there, when I finish voting, God will just pick the next. In fact, it has gotten to a point where once I'm voting for you, I'm feeling really sorry for you. <laughs> because I'm telling you, maybe I should stop voting so that some people can win. Eh? I 
will sit down there at the end of the day. <laughs> my God, you have been doing seven kids. That's why I can't reveal anything to you. You have made up your mind. <laughs> that is why God sometimes has to reveal to an Indian about America. Because the Americans, their minds are made up. I remember when Barack Obama won the election twice. American prophets did not see it. One of America's most prominent prophets, I won't mention his name. I was following him that time. I was in his mailing group. You know, he was a Republican campaigner. I, I, I saw a Christian defending Mormonism. Yes. I read, his, I, I read his writings. I said, my God. You know, what's the name of that Mormon? Mitt Romney. The first time it was John McCain against um, Barack Obama. Barack Obama won. All the Christians were sad. White Christians especially. The black Christians were happy. Next time, they did, of course, Obama. Obama, he saw his father the devil. So, I can understand. But I'm very sorry. That's just how I feel. That guy, Abosu, that guy, one day I asked the Lord, you wanted to give America a black president. Is he good? <laughs> I'm telling you. I said, Papa God, is this one way you do so? I know you are wise, but is he good? I think I, I, I was unhappy. I was unhappy. I will not say more than that. Let's leave it there. You just know I'm not happy. Have you? So after the first four years, all of us that rejoiced when he became president, we changed our mind. So you can imagine all the Christians gathered again. The lead runner this time around in the Republican side was now Mitt Romney. So I saw this American prophet analyzing how good Mormons actually are. I'm not saying Mormons are bad, though. It's just that normally he wouldn't have said that. I used to, I used to follow him, his emails and everything. After a while, now I said, bros, I came here to hear what thus says the Lord is. This political analysis, not being done when I come for, for, for here. When he wouldn't stop it, of course, I gently clicked, unsubscribed, and left. While he was doing all of that, Sadhu Savaraj stood in America and told them first time that that man Barack Obama will be your next president. <laughs> and I, what? He said, me too, I don't like the idea. He said, I actually asked the Lord why. And he told the Christians to get ready for persecution. So when you see me being angry, don't think uh, I'm... Just... He warned them ahead, get ready. Election was approaching again. He rose up again and told them he's going to win a second tenure. And your persecution will get worse. That guy persecuted Christians the little way he could. If they gave him enough time, he would send them to lion's den. Just that the, the age did not allow it was the one that started Happy Holidays, making a national thing instead of Merry Christmas. It was the one that painted LGBT colors all over the White House with lights. Yes, he did everything he could to undermine Christian principles. He did that. And it seemed like he was going to be replaced by a witch. I know you're laughing at me. But I'm not the one that said it. The man that said he has gone to heaven now. What is his name? Neville Johnson. Thank you. The Australian guy. And Neville Johnson told them to pray. He told Americans, pray hard. Otherwise, you'll be ruled by a witch. 
And they did, though. They heard. Persecution is good, though. Persecution is good. When you are persecuted, you will pray. You will pray. But as soon as Trump won, ah, brethren, stop praying. They say, I rejoice. Hey, 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 hey. They got removed to that Trump again. The Lord is good. I was, how did I get there, you know? You know when Jesus is sweet, you, start, you lose direction, you know? Yes. And that, that's where I was. So we must know our duty and not get, yes, and not get carried away by what does not concern God much. I hope you get my point. I was saying that prophets even get carried away. Why I want you to ask is that because the American Christians generally got carried away. They could not even hear what the Lord was saying to them. So God had to go across the globe to go and find another prophet to tell things he could have told the local boys. But the heart of the local people, their hearts were not right because of emotions. Emotions can be very strong. You have to actually specifically pray against it. You have to. So, I was saying that, so we must bear in mind what God has given to us as a duty. And this is the duty I'm bringing up this evening. Uh, well, okay, let me see how much time I have left to explain it, then we'll begin to pray. And that duty is that God, every nation, he has carved them for a particular purpose. I was saying that we look at the pattern from Israel. We'll see how God deals with everybody that he creates for a particular purpose. Because he punishes the people if they don't work in that purpose. If they do, he blesses them. And the blessing, when it's coming to physical nations like that, the blessing is usually physically tangible. I don't know whether you're getting my point. He supplies material things for them to execute his purpose on the earth. And if you want to reach out into any nation on this earth to help them out, one of the things you should do is ask the Lord, what is the purpose for that land? You may not know, but at least pray about it one way or the other. Because many people on this earth, they are being wiped away because a curse of the Lord is upon them. I'm serious about that. Very common in Africa. Very, very common. A whole nation of people will just disappear. You will not realize what's going on. Many times I meditate upon what happened in Rwanda, and I just, I don't have understanding, but I know one day I will read enough history, get close enough to that country, and read enough past newspapers to know why God brought that judgment against them. It's divine judgment. It's divine judgment. That's one point I should make. God judges nations. He disciplines people. There's one man, he says something. I won't bother quoting his name because he's not a man you are likely to know. Even me, I never... I knew about him until I was reading a particular book. And the man quoted something and referred to the book. Listen to this. He said, for by the outstretched hand and by the strong arm of the Almighty, listen to this, and not by preaching will the world be taught to acknowledge her creator and at last find rest from her feverish toil. The preaching of the gospel in this present time is but for the calling out of an election according to the purpose of God, that is, people who are elect, and for a witness to the rest of mankind. It is only, as Isaiah tells us, when the judgments of the Lord are in the earth, that the, that the inhabitants of the world will learn righteousness. Bear that in mind. Of course, he was quoting from Isaiah, just like he said. He was quoting something that Isaiah said, so, now, there's something that we read earlier from Psalm 22. Let's just go back there. From verse 25. Okay, let's just start from 25. From, from, he said, from you come, comes my praise in the great assembly. I shall pay my vows before those who fear him. The afflicted will eat and be satisfied. 
Those who seek him will praise the Lord. Let your heart live forever. All the ends of the earth will remember and turn to the Lord. And all the families of the nations will worship before you. For the kingdom is the Lord's. And he rules over the nations. I want you to bear in mind what he said in that verse 27. All the ends of the earth will remember and turn to the Lord. And all the families of the nations will worship before him. I want to say something to you. God is going to get this thing done. No, no, I'm not asking you to save me. I'm trying to get my English correct. Softly or which correct English? Apostle, whether you do it the hard way. Okay, I've said it already. They will do it either the simple way or the hard way. Did you hear what I said? Please listen to this. Tell all the nations if you can. This statement here. All the ends of the earth will remember and turn to the Lord. And all the families of the nations will worship before him. He will do it the easy way or the hard way. What I mean by easy way? The easy way is through preaching and believing. Yeah. See what we are doing in Nigeria? Please do it some more by preaching the gospel. Let me tell you, the people that are really, the people that God will punish are those who want to obstruct the preaching of the gospel. Now, what I want to say will not sound nice. It is right for you to pray that God will destroy such people because they are going to cause greater destruction if you allow them to succeed in their own way. If you don't allow the gospel to move in a nation, that whole nation is coming down. I call him the God of the nations. He didn't come to joke. Jesus is not playing. Let me listen. Let me just tell my brethren, please. You know, I said something earlier. that I believe God is raising people who have a sense of purpose in their lives, that is, with, for prayer and faith. Listen, where we are going... This globe, this earth, is everybody will worship the Lord. And when I say the Lord, I mean Jesus Christ. To feel after God at all is first level. When you are feeling after him, he will not direct you to the sun. That's how it is. Listen, sometimes I ask myself, why do I believe? Of course, the main reason I believe is because the spirit of God drew me to the sun. But there is something that where it starts from. And that's what I tell people, that common sense tells everybody, no matter the kind of atheist you claim to be, that everything you see around could not have come by chance. It's common sense. You know, my children and I will discuss this in law, so we will laugh when we're talking about it. Last time we were driving away from Bible study, we were still talking about it in the car, that they will say that I was just repeating these things to them. That life, biology is too complex. If you know a little bit of high-level biology, life is too complex to have come out by chance. And they try to answer that, the people who propound some of these theories. And their argument is that it's pure chance. And that we happen to be... Now, there's what they call the multiverse theory. Now, there's universe. Everything is just uni, one verse, and everywhere where we are now. But the multiverse theory says that after the Big Bang, in the first fractions of a second after that bang, I won't go into further explanation, right? The expansion was 
rapid in such a manner that one universe was not created. There's, a, there's an innumerable number of universes out there. So all these ones we are seeing is just one. And the other universes exist on different parameters, laws and all of that. So we'll never be able to communicate with them ever. Even if we had, even on the same parameter, the distances are too great. Even this one we are, we can hardly communicate with each other anyway. So, that, so if you check it, based on the principle of probability, of all the trillions and trillions and trillions and trillions and trillions and trillions and trillions of universes that exist, each one having hundreds of billions of billions of billions of billions of, billions of stars, the chance we are happening in one of them that life will exist for no reason. I'm happy you are looking thoroughly confused because it really doesn't make any sense. So I say, okay, if what you are saying is true, then it means, therefore, in one particular universe out there, currently, there is a latest model BMW 521, 525i, driving around without any driver, by chance. Yeah, I hope you're getting my point. And let me just tell you, that BMW 525 latest model with all the electronics is not as complex as a simple cockroach. It's not. It's not. It is not. Trust me. It is absolutely not as complex. Who's talking about cockroach? It's not as complex as a simple amoeba. So if we can have human beings this complex here, that at least we have two BMWs and one Ferrari and a Mercedes-Benz and a private jet flying by themselves somewhere. In one, and of course that is not conceivable. That is why anybody who says there is no God, God will punish the person. He will not take I did not know as an excuse. Because he has enough evidence out there for you to grope after him. You may not have discovered him in Jesus Christ. That's not the problem. But if you grope after him, once you stretch out, he will come and get you. Are you getting my point? Yeah, that's the way he is. Once you stretch, he will come and get you. It's just for people to grope after him. That's what he said. And he gives enough evidence around to create those questions in your mind. And actually has detailed all kinds of angels and spirits to let you know. Occasionally he will pin you down and let you understand. One day he will let you have a dream that will come to pass accurately. For you to know that something else is going on beyond what I can see. But when the lust of the flesh will make you just deliberately quieten that voice, then he's justified eternally if he decided to put in the lake of fire. I hope you're getting my point. Listen, let me say it again. What the psalm said is going to happen. It's not a prayer. It's a matter of fact. All the ends of the earth will remember and turn to the Lord. And all the families of the nations will worship before him. He will do it either the hard way, the other the easy way, or the hard way. The hard way is not nice. The hard way, he kills people. He drowns people. He burns them. He hurts them. And only a remnant will remember to cry for help and for mercy. And he will grant mercy to that remnant. In this grand purpose that he has, he has created nations. Now listen to this, I was saying earlier. We look at the way he handled the nation of Israel and the other nations around them. And that's how he's handling all every nation that is at till today. You know, sometimes I look at some African nations. 
And my heart reaches out to them. I want to go and preach the gospel. I just want to go and preach. Because we are streaming, I don't, you know, there are people there, they may be following, let me know as we are in certain countries. You see some of the richest countries by land mass and natural resources on this earth. Hmm? They have some of the lowest GDPs and highest levels of poverty. The kind of nation that you think that if we just carry this your nation and sell a quarter of it to Americans or even the Chinese and say, now, the payment is help us develop the rest. Give them 20 years. It will look like their own country. With an agreement that they will not bring resources from outside, only use what is inside. They will get it done. Then you now look at people who are there. They can't seem to get anything done. And people will not tell you, we need to gather ourselves together and, and rediscover ourselves. And I start laughing. One, man, one professor on TV was talking and talking with a video. When he finished, he said, what is the solution? Africa needs to discover itself. I bust into laughter. I said, why do you say things that don't have meaning, even though they can win a Nobel Prize, but they have no meaning? You know, a lot of people who win some of these Nobel Prizes just talk nonsense, and they just give you a Nobel Prize for nonsense talking. <laughs> you know the truth? Because it is God that gives bread. It is God that gives development. It is God that breaks the staff of bread when he wants to. These things are not games of chance. They're not games of chance. They are not games of chance. So if you are in any nation, now I'm getting to the main thing I'm trying to say. If you are in any nation, one of the things you must learn to do as a believer, of course, one, recognize that you are an assignment. You are part of God's ecclesia in that place if you are a believer. You are held responsible as a body, not individually now, but all of us as a group. We are held responsible for what happens in that country, all right, in that nation. And next, we must pray with the purpose of God for that land in mind. God has a purpose in executing this verse of scripture we just read. He has a purpose for each nation. Do you know, there are nations he will just raise up just to annoy some people. He used to do it to Israel. Just plant a nation beside them and bless them so that they will be angry. There are nations he will put, all right, the reason why God will build them up is that, please, I need to beat my children. So he will build Babylon. And that's how God behaves. He will build Babylon up and say, when I'm angry, I'm going to bring you down. You are going to punish. You are going to kill without mercy. You are going to take into captivity. He will tell them all kinds of things that they are going to do. If you see what they use, they declare his eye to see. In fact, they make sure his eye is so bad and they blinded him. The Babylonians were rebelling against them. And you know what? God raised them up specifically for that purpose. He knew they were wicked, so he told them, I know you are wicked, though. Then when you have finished doing what I want you to do, I will now turn around and punish you for your wickedness. Then my people who you have punished, thank you very much for that, (laughs) a remnant amongst them will have learned lessons. Then I will raise another nation called the Medes and the Persians. And I will put a man in charge, his name will be Cyrus. And I will bless him. I will strengthen his arms. I will open gates before him. People will not be able to resist him, including Babylon. Why? So he will make my oppressed go free. That's all. He will release my people. And you know the truth? Cyrus did not even know that was what he was doing. Cyrus was, he had one purpose in mind. He believed in God. 
I don't know how he believed in God, but he believed in God. And he believed he needed the blessing of God. So if you came to him and said, and said to him that Babylon brought us here, we want to go back home, we will pray for you, the man will let you go. He will let you go as long as you agree to pray for him and for his sons, for his kingdom. So in the midst of all of that, he fulfilled the word of God. He allowed the Israelites to go back and go and build, rebuild the temple, rebuild the wall in Jerusalem. Please, I hope you're getting my point. Ha, let me get it down home. I'll say this straight, and I'm not joking about it. You've heard me say it before anyway, nothing new. When um, well, Nigerians were suffering plenty, we were, in the midst of, we were preaching the gospel, but people were suffering. So we kept on praying and believing God for prosperity, you understand? And then God said, let me bless them small. So what happened was that he used General Abacha to lay some foundation. The man wanted to stay longer than God wanted. He removed him. They now brought um, Absalami for a short while, so Absalami could bring Obasanjo in. As soon as Obasanjo came in, God said, all right, let me bless you for small. I don't know how many of you will remember. Many of you, if I remove 20 years from your age, you didn't know anything. But those of us who were old enough, we saw it happen. No, the national prosperity was massive. I don't know how many people agree with me. If you are, if you are 10 years that time, don't talk, because those of you are big enough. It was massive, it was massive. Or not, of course, some people say they didn't do it, that's it. But let's take civil servants. Civil, their earning power tripled in the space of like 12 months. Tripled. Literally tripled. In a short while. Literally, they are... They are purchasing power, I wanted to say. Some of just doing the same job. More money came in. Prices stabilized. They were stable. Were well, stable partly because Nigeria suddenly began to, before that time, Don Abacha at the time sold crude for less than $20 a barrel. Many people don't remember. Many people don't remember that. At the point in time under Abacha's rule, crude was less than $20 a barrel. Less than 20 then a passenger came in, and crew began to climb. It was, as he was climbing, they were canceled, uh, Okonjo while I came and was negotiating debt cancellation. Debt, so all the money we were using to pay, you know, money we borrowed, it was coming to an end. Ah, hey. Ogaja said, okay, he's going to dualize uh, Benin to Onicha. Before he could finish blinking, the road was available for use. Next thing we knew, things were happening, then Nigerians, that was when they started having ideas and started building all kinds of things. You see, this one they are building now, they, were not, they, they, they couldn't build before. Or what could they build? They started having ideas. And God was looking at them and said, this is not why I gave you money. As the church as a body was going mental, so were individual Christians going mentaler. <laughs> Do you get my point? Man, we... I didn't know who could eat. We knew how, you know, see, you, on the surface, eh, you can be looking at politicians misbehaving. God doesn't look at them primarily. He looks at his people. You know, I told you, in each nation, he has his own nation. He has his ecclesia. They are the people he was looking at. It became normal for us pastors to just we'll be pastoring in Lagos, just be flying in from all over, just, you know, just be flying anyhow, just spending money anyhow. He said, I need to stretch my back. Let me just go to Australia. I go and stay for two weeks. God looking at it and say, eh? So this is what I gave people money for. 
That's what we, all this our, you can do it, you can do it, you all this uh, motivational speaking. That was when we started. Before, all we were doing was prayer speaking. We were, pr- we were, look, I was in Lagos when to walk around was dangerous. Everybody knew to pray. They began to motivate. Prayer is not what you need. Prayer is not in the success equation. Prayer is in the revelation equation. Whatever that means, I don't know. But we said stupid things like that. Crazy things. You know, when you are eating and you are full, you will take the name of the Lord in vain. God said, okay, 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 okay. Break the staff of bread. Boom! Dollar said, I know how to fly. They began to go, began to go up, began to go up. Let me tell you the truth. Look, all these things, analyze them from a divine perspective. What's God saying? I'm calling my people back to order. There is no economic policy that will take your nation out of its trouble. Because the nation did not fall because of bad economic policy. It fell because of bad behavioral policy amongst my people. Corruption, you find outside, is a sign of corruption inside. God doesn't care how many politicians steal what. It doesn't matter. When we lie with his word, we are worse than thieving politicians. Please, I hope you are getting my point. Let me say it. Anytime you see trouble in any land... And then I've explained to you that God created the nations, right? And he speaks to the nations as if they are individuals. As if like, Nigeria before him is a person. But the person is really the ears of the country. Is the church. I don't know whether you are getting my point. He talks to the nation like a person. But the ears of that person is the church. He expects us to hear what he's saying. Unfortunately, we hardly, we don't bother using our ears. We check how our stomach is feeling. So if we have stomach trouble, we focus so much on the riots, the problems, the sit-at-homes, the answers, the lockdown. We don't bother to tune our ears. What is he saying to the body? And what am I praying today? For believers to realize that that is what he's saying. We must wake up and do. Let me say this to you. to scare you, but it should. I said something last time. That was written in my Bible. And that John said, Who? You brood of vipers. Who warned you to flee from the judgment to come? And I said, Brother John, say that again. John said, I said, who warned them to flee from the judgment to come? I said, Brother John, you don't get my point. You are saying the one they are in right now is not judgment. At that time, they were under oppression. At that time, things were bad. Yet John was saying, who warned you to flee from the judgment to come? Truly, there was another judgment to come. And what they were suffering that time was not was just a warm-up, no press-up for judgment. It was a harbinger of judgment. Which is why I'm crying out in this message today. If Nigerians since, since they think they have seen trouble, God said they have not seen trouble. The real trouble, when I get really angry, we make whatever you have experienced now look like a joke. Because when the judgment came, Jesus warned the disciples ahead. He said, when you see the armies begin to surround Jerusalem, they know that her desolation has come. He said, then if you're on the rooftop, don't get into the house. Let me go and get my laptop. From the rooftop, disappear. If you're outside, don't come home to get anything. From wherever you are, move. He said, listen, <laughs> that is the day you will thank God for the life of the woman that did not bear. 
Because the woman with children whose children went to school cannot run when the children are not back. It happened 70 years after his death and resurrection. Just like he said, those who took warning escaped. Those who didn't, the Romans surrounded the city, closed it up, and killed everything that moved inside. Burnt the houses, got to the temple, to the temple. Just like he said, they left not stone on top of another. What's my warning? God said, you you think you have seen trouble. It is a warning. It is a warning that my people might repent. It is a warning that my people might turn back and save. Because that's how he does it. He told them, listen, guard it and keep it. I have given you a nation. Guard that nation and keep it. Listen, don't run from it. (laughs) Don't. You can't, listen, there's way spiritual things that you cannot escape. Did you hear what I said? Yes, escape is not possible. You go and ask the Israelites, the, the people of Judah, that ran to Egypt, what they saw in Egypt. Jeremiah told them to stay in one place. They did not stay there. They ran to Egypt. That was where, who was it? That, was it uh, what, which king was that that went and attacked the Egyptians? And I said, eh, these are people are hiding. That was where you gave them their own punishment. You can't escape. If God gives you a responsibility, you cannot run away from it. He will hold you responsible. Listen, I began last time to say something. That's what I meant when I said, what do we need to pray? Let thy kingdom what? Come. Because the aim of God is that his kingdom will be established in all these geographical nations and the tribal nations that he created. It's amazing to me that some of us are very, our, our parapo is very strong. You know what they call parapo? You know what they call parapo? Umuna things. We are very strong there. But what do we go there to do to chieftain city to Build house in the village. Let me tell you what God will do to you. He will destroy that house. The day it will be born, there will be no light. That's, you can't blame EDC. It will just catch fire by itself. There will be nothing. Nobody will be at home. And you won't be using gas. There will be no explanation. An angel will just go there, blow the fire of God on it, and it will burn to the ground. And God will say, it's a sign of judgment. You don't love your village. You don't love your homeowner. If you did, you will have realized that I raised you as a priest on their behalf. You will have been praying the knowledge of God into their lives. You will have sponsored mission. With that money you used to build that rubbish house, you understand? You will have used that one to bring pastors, evangelists to the place and insisted that the word of God moves in that place. You treat your Christianity as a matter of convenience. So for that reason, there's no hope for them because you are the light I sent to them. Did you hear what I said? Many of us get into government. Listen, it's the same principle. Let me tell you, if you are going into government, first swear, call me, I will look for anointing and pour on your head. That's a result of being a governor or senator, you will never be rich in Jesus' name. You will say, Amen. I cancel every bribe. Anybody that bribes you will not succeed in bribing you. You will say, Amen. 
If you take the bribe, the Lord will punish you. You will say amen. If you reject the bribe, the Lord will punish him. You will say amen. That will cover you with the blood of Jesus. You know why? Because God said, the only way I can shine light into your governance is through people like you. Unfortunately, the devil is always waiting. As soon as you come, he gives you money. You take it, you sign. Your destiny is gone. Next! Are you following me? Listen, we're talking about prayer. I said the God of the nations, he has a plan for every nation. I will quote people again concerning a place like Nigeria. I am convinced from many things I've read and by the, you know, the thoughts of the Spirit in my heart, that what those people have said is true. Apart from the fact that God wants each individual, because Nigeria has how many tribes and tongues? 200, right? About two, between 200 and 220. Eh? Okay, all of us agree it's about 200. Anybody who thinks about 225? Okay, so we all agree it's over 200. In every one of those nations, God has his people. Alright? And he has his particular purpose for each one of them. It's a very diverse country. Somalia is 90% one tribe. So don't think it's in the way every country is. Somalia is 90% one. So don't think it's everywhere you go in black Africa is like that. Nigeria is quite unique in that. It's a thorough mix of people. God has a purpose for it. He does. He has a purpose for the nation that we're dealing with here. And it says, if, it's, if my people in there, they want to be blessed, it is time they stop praying for blessing. I start saying, Lord, let your purpose and your kingdom be established in this nation. And they're not just saying it by mouth, it's their primary assignment. That when they go, that's what they are pursuing. Do you, do you, you'll be amazed that till today, many Christians enter into political office and they are happy, like it's our turn. Sometimes maybe, maybe somebody in Kingdom World Ministries now get appointed, maybe commissioner. I, I can't tell him. I would say Congress out of you no know, courtesy, opportunity to serve. But the next that will come out of my mouth is we'll be praying for you. Because I know the kind of human beings that will surround you. I'm not praying for you against the devil. I'm praying for you against people. All your villagers that think it's the opportunity to eat. All your friends that think you must give them contracts. And I will help you warn them ahead of time that there is no contract for them. Unless, of course, a job they have been doing before. And we give them the contract because we trust that they will deliver. In which case, they will still compete properly. And since they are our friend, they will be able to compete well. Do you know why? They know they don't have to bribe. You know, because most people, they put the bribery portion. If the job is supposed to be 80 million naira, they are going to ask for 150. Because the man that signed is going to take 30. Those who will move the papers with it. So, are you, are you getting my point? No, I told the story in my office. Remember one story I told about my office? When we, I told one man, I was heading my department and heading a particular, what they call commercialized committee. Come and do this job for us. The price that he was giving made no sense. I told this money I'm offering you is generous. The guy did not agree. He left the job and was going. I couldn't understand. How can this man not agree to do this job? The money was good. I offered him 1.4 million. It wasn't a very big thing. 1.4 million. I said, look, I'll get the CMD to sign. He said 1.7 or nothing. I didn't get it. I felt like, oh boy, this job, I know how much they cost you. It's just because we're in a hurry. It refused. 
Say, Lila, he's not doing. He turned and was leaving. I, you know, I was confounded, like, what? This man is going to be making money. Then he dawned on me. I said, hey, okay, by the way, you don't have to give me a dime. He came back. What did you say? I said, no, you don't have to give me a cobble. One cobble you are not giving me. He said, which one is your church? That was the question he asked me. On the spot, he accepted the job. On the spot. I said, oh, the 300,000 on it was for me. He said, yes. I said, don't worry. It won't be necessary. On the spot, he accepted the job. I even sweetened it for him further. I said, if you can do it, maybe before we give him a week. I said, if you do it in four days, I'll tell my guy to pay 50,000 naira extra. He said, I'll do it in four days. <laughs> do you know? <laughs> Let me not give you further details. Later on, one night, now me not recollect. <laughs> Other boys that were helping him, go and meet Oga, go and meet Oga. They collected their own. Why not for those other people? I could have driven that job down to one million naira. I didn't know. Uh, if you say I knew that time, I for squeeze the guy. I did not know. Well, later on, I just called one of them. I said, You come. He gave you money. He said, Yes, sir. I said, How much? He told me. Each or both of you? Each, sir. <laughs> there were two of them. <laughs> the Lord is good. Those are the kind of prayers we have to pray again. <laughs> that is, your people will get the job because they know they don't have to say to you. So you don't have to even break any rule to give responsible people contracts. Because they will be saving money for the government. And of course, once they know that the big man is behind them, and then with a warning, do my job, otherwise you will know we are not friends. So. You'll be amazed at how much money we have, how far it can go in doing things for us. Now, that just by the way. I'm just trying to say something here. That we don't congratulate people because we think it's our opportunity to reach, to, be, to become wealthy. We don't. We recognize that this is your only way God will shine light into governance. I hope you're getting my point. What am I going to say? Let me just summarize it. I'm just watching my time. We really have spoken at length. Let's understand something. God is a God of the nations. Amen. Yes, he has a purpose for each nation. He has a purpose for the one we are in. And we are his ecclesia inside that place. We are his law-making body inside that place. We tap into his spirit and pronounce his judgments on the earth. And let me add this warning to it. Anytime you see trouble and you see calamity, it's a warning against the judgment that is to come. And when nations, and this time around, God does not speak to everybody, he speaks to his people. When nations don't do what they are supposed to do, they will see the kind of calamity that will make them wish they never existed. And that is not the joke. Let's bow down our heads. I pray that I gave you something to, to think about. The mind of the spirit. Let's give the Lord thanks for the word that we've heard this evening. Say, yes, Lord, we thank you. We thank you. Thank you again because you've brought your word to us and we have received it. We give you praise. In the name of Jesus, we have prayed. All right, while we're still sitting, we'll take like more 30 seconds to pray. Pastor said something. And um, I want to read from Revelation chapter 14. We'll just pray like 30 seconds in that line. 
Revelation chapter 14, um, verse 6. It says, And I saw another angel fly in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel to preach unto them that dwell on the earth. So this gospel is to them that dwell on the earth. And this gospel is to go to, let's read that line, to go to where? Every nation, every kindred, tongue, and people. So it's going to every nation, it's going to every kindred, every tongue, and every people. No part of